Welcome to Shear Jashub, brought to you by the Church Fellowship of Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the teaching ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing with the in-depth Through the Bible series entitled Heavenly Authority. So let's join my husband, Pastor Greg, as he begins the Sunday Sermon. Let's review this morning where we are in the Heavenly Authority series. Last time we left off, we were in 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel chapter 13. We saw the Israelite people facing overwhelming power uh, from the Philistines. We had read in verse 5 that the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they come up and they drive into central Palestine. And the Israelites became filled with fear. The people hid themselves, the Bible tells us, in caves and thickets and rocks and holes and pits. Some of the Israelites in fear crossed over the Jordan and went to the other side to get away from the Philistines. And if you remember throughout all this, Saul has put up the cry. He's sounded the shofar throughout Israel. He said, let the Hebrews hear. And he starts off this king of Israel in faith. He starts off in the spirit, and he believes in the power of God. And yet the fear that's come upon the people spreads as a virus. And that fear eventually comes upon Saul himself. And Saul at Gilgal is waiting for Samuel to come, for Samuel the prophet, the priest, to come and offer the sacrifices as per the word of the Lord spoken through Samuel. But when the time comes which was set by Samuel for him to arrive and he's not there yet and the people are panicked and the people are trembling, Saul becomes impatient. Saul feels pressured by the situation. He feels compelled. He feels coerced. He has to do something. And that need to do something causes him to sin and to be irreverent. Because he himself then offers the sacrifice. He goes beyond the limits of the authority which God has given him as the anointed king. And he offers the sacrifice of the priest. He's disobedient. He's disobedient to the word of God in the book of Moses. He's disobedient to the word of God uttered through the prophet to him to wait. He's pressured. He's compelled. He moves into a rash decision under pressure because of his lack of faith. And remember we said that fear is the opposite of faith. Fear causes us to do things we shouldn't do, to move when we shouldn't move, to act when we should not act. And his impatience, his fear, his irreverence, his disobedience stands out, this first king of Israel stands out as a sharp 
warning to leaders in the Christian community. It's a perfect example of what not to do. Not to let the fear and the pressure of those who surround you, of those who you have leadership over, of those who you minister to, pressure you, come upon you, contaminate you to do that which you know you should not do. To whom much is given, much is required. And so all should have known better. Of course, no sooner we saw that he does the offering, the sacrifice, and who arrives but Samuel. Immediately, Samuel's there. And Saul, rather than being repentant, rather than being repentant, what does he do? He justifies himself before Samuel. And Samuel tells him plainly in verse 13, you have done foolishly. Now, was not Saul chosen and anointed by God? The answer is yes. But Samuel tells him at the end of verse 13, he said, You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. What the Lord commanded you. You were disobedient. Your kingdom would have continued forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. Saul was anointed. Saul was chosen. But Saul's kingdom will not continue. And it's a warning to those in leadership and authority to learn from Saul that just because God has called you, just because God has anointed you, maybe the Spirit has come upon you. Maybe you've seen the, the Ammonites fall before your sword, spiritually speaking, as Saul did. Maybe there's been great spiritual victories. Maybe there's been healings. Maybe people have been saved under your ministry. Walk carefully. Walk obediently, faithfully, because all that does not give you license to sin. Just because God anoints, just because God touches and graces and gifts, just because you feel God's presence, Saul fell down and prophesied. He was counted among the prophets. Does not give license to sin. Too many times in Christian circles, men become very powerful under the anointing of God's Spirit, and then they become brazen. And they become brazen, and they become disobedient, and they feel nothing can touch them because, well, certainly they're God's servants. And we all remember back, not many years ago, how many men fell in a public spectacle across this country. Just because we're anointed does not give us license to sin. And Saul needs to be an example to the leadership in Christianity. The Lord looks for leaders who will obey him, and he desires a man after his own heart. 
And so from here on out, in the account of Saul, it's downhill. Samuel leaves Gilgal. You read in verse 15, that Samuel rose and went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin. All these towns are in Benjamin. Remember, Gilgal is over to the east, right by the Jordan River. Gibeah, Gibeah of Benjamin, Gibeah of Saul, is down towards the southern part of the territory of Benjamin. It says, And Saul numbered the people present with him, about 600. Only 600 men. The trumpet, the shofar blew in Israel, and only 600 men remain with Saul. And what a situation with all these Philistines right at Michmash, right central. Michmash is in the northern central part of Benjamin. And Samuel goes to Gibeah. We're going to see Saul goes to Gibeah too. And only 600 men are with him. Verse 16, uh, Saul, Jonathan, his son, and the people present with them remained in Gibeah. Some of your translations will say Geba of Benjamin. But the Philistines encamped in Michmash. And then it says in verse 17, Then raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. So three companies of the Philistines go out to the north, to the west, to the east. They're looking to take over all Palestine. They've come out, almost all their people have come out from the coastlands and have marched over multitude into central Palestine. And now they're sending out the destroyers, the raiders, the companies to take over the land. And to make matters even worse, you read in verse 19 that the Philistines had a monopoly on the iron industry and the metalworking shops. It says, Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, Lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattock, his axe, and his sickle. And then they would charge, the Philistines would charge them, you read in verse 21, heavily to have everything sharpened by them. So there's 600 men with Saul. The rest are hiding in caves and pits, fleeing over to the other side of the Jordan, trembling. They have no sharp swords or spears because their regular farm equipment can only be sharpened by the Philistines. This has been going on for a while. And it says that only Jonathan and Saul had a sword and a spear in their hand. And then in verse 23 it said, And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. So they're settling, they're congregating, they're encamping in Michmash. And if you want to get a a mental picture of this land in the area of Benjamin, you have Gibeah of Saul, Gibeah of Benjamin down in the south. Then you got Geba above that, north of that. And then right above Geba, you have Michmash. Michmash is where the Philistines are really building up the armies. And there is a valley. There's a wadi that divides Michmash in the north from Geba in the south. And Saul and Jonathan are in Gibeah and Geba, and north of this valley, this is all mountainous area, there's Michmash where the Philistines have encamped. The odds are terribly against them. And we see at this point, 
when it seems insurmountable that God uses and raises up Jonathan, Saul's son. And we see the courage of Jonathan. We see how a single man with his young armor bearer will be able to do that which when Saul sounded the shofar, let the Hebrews hear, really all of Israel was supposed to come out and do and did not. And how in the impossible situation they were able to stand when really had Israel come out, they too would have been a sizable army, but they did not. Let's read in chapter 14, verse 1. Let's read about the difference that's made when you have someone that has bravery and has zeal based on faith in God. And Jonathan, will see here, stands out in sharp contrast to the quivering, trembling Israelites and even to his father's example because he's more of a leader than Saul. And you see the characteristics of leadership. We know it is terribly difficult to find the time to write in today's fast-paced world. But if you could find the time to drop us a postcard, your words of encouragement would be a real blessing. Our address is Sheer Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. And as always, we welcome you to join us at our church service. Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. May the Lord's presence overflow in your life as you serve Him.